Hello, it is the 19th annual Academy Awards here at the beautiful Shrine Auditorium in Los Angeles, California. It's March 13th, 1947, and it is finally time for the big award. The envelope, please. And the winner is the best years of our lives. Aww. Aww. <laughs> I feel like the title inspires an awe, even if the movie's not necessarily. I also love that we like do a drum roll and like a dramatic reveal of the best picture winner when we say what it is the uh, last week's episode. I know, as if, there, <laughs> as if, and as if there isn't like a million places you can look this up online. It's like you all know what won. Anyway, I mean, uh, okay, nineteen forty six. Here we go. So best years of our lives won. Oh, hold on, we're gonna introduce ourselves this episode. Oh, what's your name? I my name is Sam. What's, what's yours? Um, hold on. <laughs> Rinse? There it is. What a year. We're at the Shrine Auditorium now. Yeah, this is the first time at the Shrine, but they'll be at the Shrine a lot. A lot. The and this was a, a big one. A big one. Compared to Grauman's Chinese Theater, where we've been, what, the last few years, uh-huh. this is a massive auditorium. This ha- it's. Let me see how many people this thing sees. Oh, I know. 6,700. Wow. Yeah. The, sh- the, the Grauman's... Only sat like a thousand. Yeah, yeah. They so seats. they were like, we're gonna pack. Well, where are we now? The Dolby. How many? The Dolby must fit thousands and thousands. Um, I think it fits uh, three hundred thousand people. Is that, is that <laughs> right? Yeah. You know. You know. Actually, I a can. Fourth of Los Angeles. I feel like I'm interested enough to find out the answer to this. I'm how sure. How many people in seats? I mean, I've people only. People take their bets. Go ahead. Yeah, I've never been in it. I think it's got to be like what? 8, I've been 000. in it. Thirty-four hundred. That's way off. <laughs> so the That's shrine's like bigger. Okay. The shrine is a big, big, big auditorium. Big, massive. And it is on Jefferson Boulevard mm. here oh. in Los Angeles. It's on the National Register of Historic Places. Good old Jefferson. So yeah. what do we have this year? This year, okay, we have, we're back to, you know, we're doing just five nominees now in the Best Picture category. This is how it stays for quite a while. Um, and I would call this, I don't know, let's, let's call it a, a juggernaut year, right? I mean, we have a humongous movie coming into this year's Oscar race, the mm-hmm. best years of our lives, from a humongous director, already established, he's won an Oscar before, for a World War II set movie. Um, I think it was pretty obvious that the best years of our lives was going to win. It is, and, I mean, we'll get into it. I don't we know will. if there is another, ex- uh, there is one other movie that is an acceptable alternative, mm-hmm. but being where the country was, yes, and where and what this movie must have meant when it came out, I, I'm spoiler, I'm one hundred percent okay with this winning best picture. Hundred percent. This yes. is probably one of my top ten best picture winners. Actually. It's amazing. So what else was nominated? Let's let's get into the other nominees. We have the Yearling, uh, which um, was it's a famous. Uh, that's a famous. Kids book, right? Yes. Yeah. With Gregory Peck, uh, Jane Wyman, right? Yeah, yes. Jane Wyman, who we will spend more time with later. We will. We spent some time with her last week. We did spend some time with Jane last Wyman weekend. last week, but uh, but she is she's got more. She's got she's more. Got, but this is her first her first nomination. She was uh, nominated for best actress for the Yearling. Yes. And Gregory 
Pex versus Well, right? Or was he nominated once before? Uh, you know, I am not sure about Mr. Peck. This feels like it's his first, though, just because I his, think it is his first. The year before was Spellbound, and that was like his re- one of his first really big movies. Oh, he was nominated the year before, The Keys of the Kingdom. Oh, that's right. Yes. He did get a nomination. I forgot that he had those. So, well, he is quickly establishing himself as an Academy favorite. Yes. Two nominations in a row. Um, I have not seen The Yearling. It's about a, a boy who takes in a deer, right? Isn't that what yes, it is? Yes, that yeah. is correct. I it also have not like... seen it. I feel like... I know the book was like one of those kids' books that people read. Yeah. It sounds like a, like a, a Lassie Comes Home adjacent, like, friendly movie. You but know? I've seen Lassie Come Home, so that's different. Very different. But yeah. you know what I mean? Like, a family is held together by an animal. An animal. <laughs> that's kind of the vibe I get. I, um... You know... <laughs> It's a, it's a situation we've all been in. Absolutely. We've all been a dog or a cat or a turtle. I didn't have any turtles, but maybe someone no did. Turtles. Um, that hey, Did you have a dog or a cat? No dogs. Day? We had lots of cats. We had horses, too. So I grew up you with horses. horses? I had horses, yes. My horse's name is Butch. He's still alive. Are you sure those... I mean, like, I know you have a very tall family. Are you sure that this wasn't... Another <laughs> <laughs> fairly positive. Yeah, we had uh, I mean, most of my life growing up. We had four horses. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we have three right now. Yeah, uh, it was great. Never had horses, but uh, it was a good time. I, I, it sounds like a good time. It was so a wonderful time. I, I never had horses, but you know, mm-hmm. you want to ride one? <laughs> Maybe. I'm just saying, like, you know, if... <laughs> I will take you horseback riding. Let's do it. Let's do that. I'll take you horseback riding. But my riding. back is better, though. That's true. We'll let your back heal. My back's a little out right now, guys. I'm sorry. It's okay. He's got 400 cushions he's leaning against. Yes, it's... helping. You know, I don't know. <laughs> That's fair. What else uh, we got? So the yearling probably did not have a chance. Oh, then we have the razor's edge. I've seen the razor's edge. I haven't. <laughs> but I know it was remade. It was remade uh, with, with uh, Bill Murray. Bill Murray. Yes, yeah. Bill Murray. Uh, which is interesting because it's a very dramatic, depressing film. Yeah. I've read about it. It is where um, Ann Baxter gets her Oscar. She does support the um, uh, And she is um, she's really great in it. She plays a, a woman who, like, I think she loses her child. It's been a while. Yeah. Um, she loses her child. Uh, and then she becomes an alcoholic. Right. So she has like a whole journey. That's when it was kind of, it's a, a lot about alcoholism, right? There is that. It's kind of a main. Yeah, point. that is a main point in it. Um, if I remember correctly, but it's also, it's the actress I really like, Jean Tierney's in it. And, um, uh, the main guy is, uh, help me out. Um, um I don't know actually, who is the main actor in it? Tyrone Power, that's what I was thinking. Oh, Tyrone Power, that's right. Gregory Peck was tripping me up because he, they kind of look similar. They do. Um, See, this was, yeah, her her first nomination as well and her first win. Yes. What about its chance for Best Picture? Would you consider it a Best Picture film? It makes sense that it was nominated. It's mm-hmm. very prestige. And I remember it being really good. Okay. But so, depressing, right? Kind of a downer. Yeah, not like an uplifting film, but also like not like I wouldn't say it's like Sophie's Choice or anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's you know. fair. I mean, if we're going from zero to Sophie's Choice. Yeah, this this probably wouldn't go there. No, no. That's um, fair. Okay. Uh, then we have Henry V. 
Henry V. So this would be Laurence Olivier. What this is, is his first uh, Shakespeare yes, adaptation, which he's going to have quite a few in the years to come. Others, some more problematic than the others. <laughs> some more problematic than the others, including one that wins Best Picture. It sure does. Um, it sure and does. then there's a couple more, I think, that are nominated later on. Yes. Um, but at least he uh, is, yeah. Or at least he is, because there's the one... There's the one in blackface. Which yeah, there's that? Othello. Yeah. Uh, um, which, okay, yeah, we'll get into this a little bit, but like Othello, it's it's uncomfortable because he is in blackface, but it, it makes me so sad because Maggie Smith is so good in Othello that like I want people to watch it because her performance is so captivating, but it makes me uncomfortable that he's doing blackface. I don't like it. I'm uh, not the only person either when um, Orson Welles also did... His version of Othello as well, and it's equally awkward. Uh, but again, we're in the 1940s. Things are different. <laughs> I don't think you could get away with that. That was the now. 1960s Othello, though. Oh, Othello was. You're right. Oh no. <laughs> oh god. We were having civil rights at the time, <sighs> and, and this still happened. Yes. So. Well, another example of Hollywood really needing to kind of catch up. Um, I want to talk about the next movie that's nominated for best we picture. We should. But I, I feel like, let's save it, and let's talk about some of the other categories first. Okay, sure, let's get into that. Because I feel like there's a lot to say about both of these movies. There's a lot to say. Should we just start at the, the bottom with Supporting Actress? What do we got here? We, we, we mentioned Ann Baxter. We got through all that. Yeah, Ethel Barrymore gets her annual nomination. <laughs> That's so um, true. <laughs> <laughs> Lillian Gish gets nominated. Of course, Lillian Gish was like the late first lady of the silent screen. Absolutely. Um, and Duel in the Sun is what she's nominated for. Jennifer Jones also got a Best Actress nomination. Duel in the Sun was uh, David Selznick's, like, I'm going to try to do Gone with the Wind again. Right. Yeah. And a long movie, isn't it? Uh, yeah, like seven or eight hours. I don't know. That's about right. Yeah. Um, that's probably right. I don't think I, I don't think I exaggerated <laughs> that. Um, I don't know anything about Saratoga Truck other than the fact that Ingrid Bergman's in it. Yeah, I don't know either. A Spiral should... Staircase with Ethel Barrymore, I should say, is really good. Is she good in it? Yeah, I mean, she's Ethel Barrymore. She's she Ethel always, Barrymore. like, does the whole, like, I don't know, smart, sage, old lady thing. Definitely. You know? Kind of like uh, Maria Auspinskaya. Kind of that same, like... Yeah, but better than her. Yes, I agree. <laughs> I do agree with that. Yeah, like that, but can act. If gotcha. Can... Okay. Uh, we should, oh, we should, we should absolutely talk about Best Actress, because we'll get into Actor and Supporting Actor with the Best Picture winner. Oh, it's a, a real quick, the other, the only other movie here that we didn't mention, mm-hmm. Flora Robeson was nominated for Sandra Toga Trunk, Gail Sonregard was nominated for Anna and the King of Siam, which is the first version, film version, of King a and movie I. that becomes The King and I ten right. years later. Correct. Um, not a musical, though. This one is the, uh, this one has Rex Harrison and, um, uh, Irene Dunn. Oh. And uh, their hand and footprints in the forecourt of the Chinese uh, were done for this movie, so they were right beside each other. Oh, sure. And then the hand and footprints for Deborah Carr and Yul, Yul Brynner were done for the Akig and I ten years later, and they're right beside each other. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you. What a yeah. good moment for them. That's great. Um, best uh, actress. Best actress. So best a lot, actress. A lot of. Uh, <laughs> got some returning veterans here um we do and this is where we're going to start to play the academy award um the the should have game (laughs) if we can rewrite oscar history so olivia de Havilland wins best actress for to each his own which is an interesting uh, 
it's interesting that she did. Very because mm-hmm. um, in 1943, she sued Warner Brothers um, because Warner Brothers uh, added time they had suspended her for refusing to play a part to the back end of her seven-year contract. So when her seven-year contract was up and she thought she could be a freelance artist, Warner Brothers is like, oh, that's funny, you still owe us a year or whatever, mm-hmm. six months or a year. And she was like, that's not right. So she went to her lawyer. She sued Warner Brothers. Um, and uh, she won. And she won all the appeals as well. Mm-hmm. And Warner Brothers, this you know put her off the screen for a while because she couldn't work with anybody else while this is happening. Yeah, quite a few years. And Warner Brothers uh, was like, well, you're never going to work in this town again. And so two years later, she makes To Each His Own. Uh, which is, uh, you know, a pretty standard melodrama, but she ages about 30 years in the movie. Um, She makes each his own, gets really great reviews, and wins Best Actress, which to me is the ultimate middle finger. And even though there are other performances in here that might be more deserving, I'm really happy with her winning just because of what happened historically. Definitely. The whole story behind this Oscar win is... Really incredible because this also like set a precedence for contracts in the future and kind of, you know, kind of contributed to the fall of the contract system in later years. You know, it was a botched system from the start and she kind of... There's a Wikipedia page called the de Havilland Law. Exactly. So she kind of pointed out these holes and how the studio and the studio heads really had this complete control over their actors and how unfair that was. She kind of brought that to light. And the Academy giving her this Oscar was kind of them rewarding her for this, you know, years of hard work and fighting this case. So, yeah. yes, it is a very deserving uh, award for those reasons. Personally, mm-hmm. I do not think it's the best performance by an actress that year. I'm really curious to know who you're going to... I think I know who you're going to say. Definitely. It goes to Celia Johnson for Brief Encounter. Yeah. This is one of my favorite movies of all time. I love David Lean films. This would be my favorite of his... And her I really, really like David Lean films mm. when they're shorter. Yes, <laughs> when they're when they're like when they're uh, devoted to a leading actress performance. Summertime, um, Brief Encounter. Isn't it so, so funny? Good. Summertime's like what 1955, mm-hmm. and then two years later he makes on the the bridge on the River Kwai, and they just keep getting longer after that. So like Summertime's like 90 minutes long. What yes. happened in those couple years that made him totally. go, you know what I'm going to do? I'm make really long movies. <laughs> and then we get into Lawrence of Arabia and that is literally a day-long film. And then Dr. Zhivago. Oh, even. Which is shorter but feels like a day. It does. And it sure does. Uh, but there's uh, something about Celia Johnson in Brief Encounter. I just cannot get the performance out of my head when I watched it. You know, she's years really back. She's so great, and I just, I love the story. But I am a sucker for like tragic romance dramas. Mm-hmm. That's just my bread and butter of movie, and this is just like the perfect example of it. Uh, so I love it. I think she should have won the Oscar. Also, it's her only Oscar nomination. Olivia de Havilland has. Another Oscar, you know, in a few years. The most deserved Oscar. <laughs> Probably of all time. <laughs> of all time. In Slash 1949. Mark. I'm not being sarcastic. No. 
just so everyone knows. Yes. When we get to 1949, I know all the Kingsmen won Best Picture. We're going to spend half of the episode <laughs> just talking about Olivia Havlin's performance in the movie she won for. Absolutely. <laughs> so she'll get her due. And that's where it's like, if we could start to rewrite Oscar history, I would take the Oscar from Olivia Havlin here and give it to Celia Johnson, just because Olivia Havlin, I, you know, as we just mentioned, gives... Her best performance in a few years, which is way more deserving. She also gives. But I digress. She also gives probably a better performance in a movie called The Snake Pit. Oh, which I haven't seen yet. I really want to. It's great. Yeah, but Jane Wyman won that year, and she probably deserved it. So right, right, right. Yeah. Um, but uh, who else do we have here? We've also got Jennifer Jones. Jennifer Jones again, which we've talked about. I'm sure that David Selznick paid somebody off for mm-hmm. that nomination. I'm sure she's fine. I just like am not a huge Jennifer Jones fan. Um, yeah, I really like Rosalind Russell and everything I see her in. I yes. have no idea. What Sister Kenny is? I have no idea. Is this her first nomination? I know she's playing someone who's Australian, but she doesn't try an accent. <laughs> Probably for the best. Uh, I think this is her first nomination. She gets... No, she was nominated for oh, something she... in the early 40s. Oh, okay. uh, I, I've seen it. I talked badly about it on the episode. That's fair. Um... Because it's not very good. I don't remember the name of it, though. It's like 1941. Oh, it's way back. She's... Oh, there it is. Oh, My Sister Eileen. 42. Yes, My Sister Eileen is a hot mess. Fair enough. Well, (laughs) My Sister Eileen... Was it when I just said my cousin Kenny? What is it called? My cousin. Kenny. My sister Kenny. No, just sister Kenny. There is <laughs> oh. just nobody's sister. <laughs> She's just called sister Kenny. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know either. Um, and then oh, and then Jane Wyman for the Yearling. So yeah, I mean, it really does kind of come down between Olivia De Havilland and Celia Johnson, in my opinion. I also think Brief Encounter should have been nominated for Best Picture, but it wasn't. I feel like that. Can I feel take like the place of this is that's probably where you have. Um, like Brief Encounter is a is a British film. Yes. And this is like this is where the Brits are just like starting to break in. Like David Lean was nominated for Best Director. Totally. Um this is where the Brits are just starting to break into Yeah. The, you know, the Oscar race. For the sure. Oscar race. And that's and something that Lawrence Olivier so, has said as well about Henry V, you know, not winning or anything like that. He he didn't even show up to the ceremony. I was reading an article, he's like, I didn't even want to show up. I knew they weren't gonna give us any awards with this being uh, you know, a British film. However, they did give them an honorary awards, which kind of seems like what the Oscars would do. We don't want to, we know it's a good movie, we want to give you Best Picture, so here's an honorary award. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's not the only honorary award that's given this year, but we'll talk about that one. Oh, yes, we'll movie. definitely get into more. Um, the Killers also earned a Best Director nomination. Oh. Um, the Killers, I uh, haven't seen, but it's one of those like quintessential film noirs. Okay. Um, and it's interesting that they would nominate that for director, but not picture. It's almost like, uh, well, this is, we don't want to, we don't think this genre is worthy of this, but we'll give you a nomination here. I feel like that's how right. you're treating it. They're like, the stylization is nice, and that comes from a director, but we don't think it's best picture quality. Yeah, I feel like that's kind <laughs> of what that says. Uh, let's see. Other than that, most of the awards <clears throat> went to the movie that we are... I mean, like, we're just holding you in suspense for the we best years of our lives. But, but there's one we can talk about before that we haven't yet. Oh, wait. Hold on. Real quick. Oh. Um, let's talk about David Lean one more time because okay. he, he also directed Blythe Spirit, which oh. won Best 
special effects. <laughs> Which it should. <laughs> Fly Spirit just makes me think of Angela Lansbury, which just makes me so happy. Uh, because she her, was in the... Yes. The, yeah, but they're the original... The much revived. <laughs> much revived. The movie version from the Broadway plays. Yes. Which is fine. It's not great, but it's it's not as good as Brief Encounter. It's just a lightweight little... For sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. But, it's an interesting story, yeah. Um... Anywho, okay, so, uh, the movie that did not win Best Picture, any Oscars, or any Oscars, <laughs> but was nominated in several categories, including mm-hmm. director and actor, I mean, I, there are other categories that I kind of wish it was nominated in, honestly, looking at some of these nominees, um, It's a Wonderful Life, which, uh, you know, a lot of you probably know because it's watched every single holiday season. Yes. Um, it is uh, the quintessential <clears throat> Christmas movie. Definitely. Even though most of it takes place in flashback, not on Christmas. Correct. Um, yeah. But it it has that um, that spirit about it. Um, I would say It's a Wonderful Life maybe one of my five favorite films. It's... So perfect. Like, there there are very few movies that I will say, like, this is a perfect movie from start to finish, and It's a Wonderful Life is one of them. Yes. It is flawless. It's it's definitely Frank Capra's best movie. For sure. I would also say it's Jimmy Stewart's best movie. It's the first movie for both of them right after they came back from the war. Exactly, yes. And I think looking at these movies, but particularly this one and The Best Picture Winner through the eyes of, you know, It's a Wonderful Life only briefly talks about the war. Yes. Because his brother brother Harry Bailey um, is a war veteran, Mm -hmm. and at the end of the movie, he's coming back from the war. Um, But the thing about the move, the thing about looking at Jimmy Stewart in this movie, and looking at Jimmy Stewart in The Philadelphia Story, or The Shop Around the Corner, or anything that he made before the war is there is this added depth to his eyes Uh to the way he looks there is like he suddenly is somebody who has seen some tough shit yes and he gives one of the greatest performances of all time and the scene where he is at um, the bar And he's contemplating suicide. Mm -hmm. And the camera just... And he just, like, had a fight with his little girl's teacher in the bar. And he's just sitting there praying Mm -hmm. at the bar. And the camera goes into this extreme close-up. It is just the best Jimmy Stewart ever got. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a movie where we can see that Jimmy Stewart has now lost... That innocence, you know, that very naive quality that he had in movies like Philadelphia Story or even um, uh, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. You know, this like, oh, we can do anything if we just try really hard and do the right thing. Good things will happen. The awesome is gone. Exactly. He's now realized that's not the way the world works. Yeah. You know, and he really brings, I think that's what you're, you're talking about, that depth in his eyes. It's, it is, you know, the eyes of a man who is now been I guess awoken to the horrors of the world there's one more moment of his performance I want to point out give it to me Um, so there is a scene where he um, when Harry comes back from college yep 
and he has his surprise wife with him. Oh yeah. And he's she says something and Harry's supposed to take over the For George yes. so that George can go to college. Yep. And the wife just says something offhand about how he's going to go work for her father. Yep. And they walk away. Jimmy Stewart stays for a second. You stay on him. It's a close-up of him. He walks over to them in the close-up. And then you see him go through every emotion of disappointment and devastation and then acceptance. And then he says to the wife, he's like, is it a good business? Would this be a good job for him? And he puts himself aside. It is (sighs) devastating. But it all happens in this one yes. close tracking close up of him. Yes, it's it is genius. He <sighs> and that's just where also it's like you know director and his muse. I really feel like Frank Capra and Jimmy Stewart work and they, they do their best work together in the same sense that you know, like you know and years later Scorsese and De Niro do a lot of great work together or yeah. Scorsese and DiCaprio in later later years it's a perfect pairing. it's a perfect marriage Although of director and performer it's interesting because Jimmy Stewart also paired really well with Hitchcock you know that's true I mean you know? that's very very true I mean Jimmy Stewart is a phenomenal actor but yeah. I really think that Frank Capra knows how to pull that essence of Jimmy Stewart, that, you know, that, that aw shucks mentality before the war, and then there's this deeply wounded human after the war. I feel like they just really, he pulls it out of him so well. Isn't it interesting, too, because he only got to Jimmy Stewart because, um, I, I mean, like, it could have been very different because a lot of the movies, like, You Can't Take It With You... And I believe, particularly Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, which was supposed to be Mr. Deeds Goes to Washington. Oh, really? It was supposed to be a sequel to Mr. Deeds Go to Town. Like, if he had made those movies with Gary Cooper instead. Oh, yeah. Like, how different would That would be really different. Yeah, those movies would be different, and would we have gotten to It's a Wonderful Life? I don't know. Um, The crazy thing about It's a Wonderful Life is it did not do well when it came out. Um, The critics liked it, but it didn't... It was not a success, and what was it? That's Liberty Pictures, know what it is? Yeah, it was... Was the production company that he formed, Frank Capra, yeah. formed to make this movie. And RKO distributed it, but it was independent. Yeah, and it went bankrupt from what I remember reading about. Yeah, just because of this movie. It and was Capra only... didn't make many movies after this. He did not make very many movies. His last movie came a little over... He made something called, uh, what, State of the Union uh-huh. with uh, Catherine Hepburn and Spencer Tracy. Yes. There's Angela Lansbury's in that, too. Oh. I haven't seen that. I just know that. Um, his last movie is in 1961. It's yes. uh, uh, Pocketful of Miracles, which is a remake of um, something. Lady for a Day? Lady for a Day, Lady yeah. for a Day, yeah. Um, and uh, it's uh, Glenn Ford and Betty Davis, and it's it's fine. And Margaret's first film. Mm-hmm. But um, it's just bizarre to me when it's like a movie, like It's a Wonderful Life, that everybody hears nowadays and says, oh my gosh, it's, you know, everybody loves this movie. Nobody can hate this movie. I don't, I've not met a person who doesn't like this movie or someone doesn't watch it every holiday season that it did not do well. It took, you know, years for it to be, you know, syndicated on television for people to actually, for it to gain an audience. Well, I think part of that is because the movie is much, much darker than Reputation mm-hmm. has it. And I think it's maybe in a lot of ways was tough for people to watch somebody on the verge of suicide. Yeah. Right as you had all these people coming back from the war who probably were in the same place mentally. Yep. You know? Um, that's and that's true. what people forget about It's a Wonderful Life. 
up until the last 10 minutes of the movie, it is somebody who is going to jump off a bridge and kill themselves. Exactly. And that is part of what... I mean, there's lots of other stuff that happens besides that. Well, but, right. The whole movie, the whole plot is this angel trying to convince a man not to kill himself. Exactly. And showing him why he shouldn't. And you watch... And the first half of the movie... It's a very interesting story structure, actually. It is. It's... Spend, the first half of the movie catching up with his life, and yeah. then the second half, or the last third of the movie, yeah. you spend in the present day. Yeah, it's a lot longer than I think people remember it being as well. It's, it is a long movie. Yeah, it's it's over two hours, mm-hmm. but it's like, it's, it's so wonderful. It's so, it, I mean, wonderful is a perfect way to put it. But um, I was thinking about this, and like the entire supporting cast in this movie is great. Donna Reed, yes, I Reed. Donna Reed's phenomenal in this movie. I feel like she's more of a supporting actress nomination, but she should be. No, oh, definitely, I think she should um, be in the mix for supporting actress, or even Henry Travers for supporting actor playing the angel. I think he's he's great. Wonderful. I love he's funny. Uh, he's serious when he needs to be. I love Thomas Mitchell as as his uncle. Yes, you know. Um, but he already has an Oscar, so it's he fine. does. He's but um, and then the the uh, his mom Beulah Bondi. Yeah, um, no, it's got a really great cast. And I you think, know, oh, and even what's her face? Um, Gloria Graham. Gloria Graham. Yes. Thank you. I was gonna say. Yeah, what a yeah. great little part for her. Kind of I solidified mean, her screen presence too. It's like everything in the movie is classic, and like there's certain things I watch it every year. Mm-hmm. I try to watch it in a movie theater if I can Mm -hmm. because they play it every year here in Los Angeles because we live in a blessed place. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, they're uh, like the moments like uh, where they're little kids and she leans over the counter. It was like, is this the ear you can't hear of? George Baby, I love you to the day I die. I know. I wish I had a million dollars. Hot dog. Like all that stuff. It's so good. And the only reason it became the thing it is today is because it was mistakenly apparently thought to be in public domain for a long time. Oh, really? And so uh, it would play on local TV channels yep. um, continuously during the holidays because it was free yep. for them to play. And so everybody became super familiar with it during the like 60s and 70s and exactly. 80s because of that. And then eventually somehow Paramount secured the copyright to it and now it's well taken care of but yes as it should be anyway so it's a wonderful life it's a perfect movie perfect but it did not win best picture because the best years of our lives won best picture and (laughs) even though i might like it's a wonderful life more i'm completely okay with this yeah the best years of our lives is a very important film while also being wonderfully entertaining um it needs to be i there's some movies i'm really glad won best pictures that people have to find out what they are. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And it makes me sad when that movie's Cimarron. <laughs> and it makes me... <laughs> For the life of Emile Zola. Or... For the life of Emile Zola. Because then people, I feel like it's going to turn people off of movies from yeah. that period. Or at least like Oscar-winning films. You know, I think there's can sometimes be a negative connotation with winning Best Picture. People think, oh, it's boring, or oh, it's not actually very good. It's important. Best Years All Alive is somehow important and entertaining. Very true. Um, so let's talk about what it's about. Let's talk about it. It's, there, go ahead. Or th- I, we can tag team this. We will. Too. Um, there are three soldiers coming back from the war. World War um, II. They all live in the same city and they end up kind of hitching a ride on the same plane mm-hmm. um, and get to know each other in the process. Yes. Um, and each of them had were from different ranks and they had very um, different 
uh, experiences. Yeah, different branches of the military. And they all are coming home to different situations in the same town. Yep. Um, the oldest of them is Frederick March. Yes. Who um, has uh, a normal, that perfect family back yep. at home, perfect wife, two secure kids. Secure job. Um, secure job at a bank. Um, and uh, he, uh, so he's coming back, just typical dad off, off to the war. There you go. Then we got uh, Dana Andrews, mm-hmm. who I do. Oh my gosh, he's <laughs> so handsome. I know, right? It's <laughs> ridiculous. He's so pretty. He uh, was like a, he did all this important stuff in the war. Mm-hmm. He was like a bomber or something. <clears throat> yeah. And he married a woman he barely knew. Before he went off. Before he went off in the rush of emotion and then went off to war. And so he's coming home to this woman he barely knows. Yes. Without, like, a job either. Like, his home life is very low class. Let's put it that yes. way. He comes from a lower class, but but in with the uniform on, and mm-hmm. he was a big deal. Exactly. And now he's not a big deal back home. Correct. Yeah, yeah that's a good way to put it. Yeah. And then we have um, uh, the last of them. A guy played Harold, named Harold Russell played him. Um, he is Homer is his character. Homer, name. yes. Homer uh, had, you know, was like the 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 boy, the the prize son of his parents. Yeah, and had like a sister and the stuff. golden child, the yeah. golden child, and was uh, dating the girl next door. Mm-hmm. And they were set to get married. Set to get married. Yeah, and his hands were blown off yes. in the war. Um, and so he's coming back with hooks for hands. Hooks. Uh, completely disabled. And he was played by a real-life uh, amputee yeah. who had hooks for hands. Because Harold Russell, who played him, was not an actor. No. The only acting experience he had was acting in, like, a, a war... Um, What's the word? A training video. Yes, like a, a, like a like training a, video. Yeah, <clears throat> one of those things, and that was where, um, that's where the director William Wyler mm-hmm. uh, discovered him. Yeah. So it's all about these three men coming back to what their lives were before the war and how they can adapt back into those lifestyles. You know, after experiencing all these atrocities uh, across the seas. And you see them go through things like alcoholism, um, depression, all of these, you know, PTSD um, side effects that were happening to soldiers, you know, literally during this time, which is why I think it does remain such an important film coming out after World War II. Um, And also one that's a bit more, I guess, realistic um, Mm -hmm. in terms of what it shows you than like Mrs. Miniver, uh, like four years back. You know? Yeah, this is not a glossy movie. Um, they uh, the the cinematographer Greg Tolan, uh, who also did Citizen Kane. Citizen Kane, what a genius! Um, he used deep focus in this movie, um, where you have these shots where the background is as in stark a focus as the foreground. Yes, and there are scenes like um, there's this uh, piano player. Played by apparently somebody who was famous. Yeah, an actual. Yeah, yeah, uh, Hoagie Hart Michael. So he's playing like chopsticks or something, 
on the piano with um, with Homer, who has his hooks. Mm-hmm. He's using the hooks to play piano. Yes. Um, and in the background, Dana Andrews is on the phone, breaking up with the girl. Yep. That he's been <laughs> seeing on the side because oh, side story. Uh, <laughs> Dana Andrews ends up hitting it off with um, Frederick March's adult daughter, played by Teresa Wright. Yes. And here's, yeah. Also, where's Teresa Wright's nomination? This is what I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> uh, this movie, the performances, this is what you watch. There is, the performances, there are no bad performances. No, the performances are impeccable. And while I agree with Friedrich March being nominated, he also won Best Actor. Harold Russell was nominated, won Best Supporting Actor. Yes. Where are the nominations for Dana, Dana Andrews, Andrews, Myrna Loy, Teresa Wright? I, think, I wonder if they push Myrna Loy for lead. And she just didn't make the cut. Because I feel like she's supporting. She absolutely is supporting in this movie. But I feel like because of her being who she was. Yeah, and she was top billed as well in the film. She was one of the, you know, highest grossing female stars in the 1940s. Myrna Loy plays uh, Frederick March's wife. Yeah. And she is (laughs) so good at everything she does. But just like the moment, there's this incredible, Mm. lovely scene Mm. where Frederick March comes home walks in the door for the first time and he tells his kids and she's in the kitchen and you just see her realize that he's come home because she's saying I'm actually getting teary eyed thinking about this and this is where Greg Tolan's photography comes into play that deep focus she's in the kitchen with her back turned to the door doing dishes and she's asking her children from behind you know who is it who's at the door and when they don't say anything you see her stop and realize it must be her husband. And then she turns around and just slowly walks to him. Did you know that that scene is exactly how it happened when William Wyler came home from war? Oh, no. That was what happened with him and his wife. That was his story of coming back, which I love. I'm deceased. Isn't that amazing? Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh-huh. <laughs> it's it's beautiful. This movie is so wonderful. I there's love so many things. There's like so that. many things, and there's also like um. So I, it's like it's sweet in a way that earns it, but then it's dealing with all this. But real also stuff. brutally realistic. Yes, especially in my opinion, uh, the PTSD story with Dana Andrews oh, is the most realistic. God, because he, he was a fighter pilot, and there's this scene where he goes to a you know, an airplane graveyard and the he real finds one. a real one. Yes, yeah. and he finds uh, the plane he was in, and he just he sits in it, and he has all these horrible memories. Which contribute to him having night terrors, and you, mm-hmm. you know, he's oh, it's it's just amazing. His, it is, and his you story. see him like wake up in a cold. So that's how he actually ends yes. up bonding with Teresa Wright for the mm-hmm. first time because he stays over at their place and then wakes up. She comes in to see about him because he wakes up in a a night terror. Exactly, and I just feel like that is that for me is the most brutally realistic portrayal of a soldier returning home with PTSD. And there's so much in his story besides that, too, because he goes back to this drugstore that he used to work at, mm-hmm. and he thinks that he's going to be able to get, like, a, a better job at this drugstore. Correct. But they're like, well, none of the experience you have is applicable to um, to what you need, yeah. so you can go be a soda jerk. Exactly. And he's this like decorated veteran mm-hmm. who's a soda jerk yep. that people are disrespecting left and right. And, and that's like just talking about a bigger issue as well that was happening with the veterans of World War II is, you know, we we considered them heroes and idolized them while they were off fighting. But when they came home, it just seemed like nobody gave a shit. Yeah. And their status in war didn't matter. Yeah. 
And and so it was like these years of their <laughs> the best years of their lives. Exactly, you that's know. what comes in. They've wasted the best years of their lives. You yeah. know, they're they've uh, they're past him now. They're not going to get him back. And then you have like his um, his wife, who he doesn't know. He doesn't know who she is, mm-hmm. and she and you get her too because she, she just wants to move on. Life, and she wants to work, but he doesn't want her to work, uh-huh. and like. You know, and she wants to like she wants him to be that fun, happy, yeah. like jubilant person he was before the war. She cannot, um, I guess, uh, wrap her head around who he is now. And she how doesn't changed. like it when he doesn't wear his uniform. Yes, because she just is, wants to like show him off, and he does not want to be. She just thinks of him as like a little prize. Yeah, and he's not you a know? show pony. No, but I mean, but you kind of get it mm-hmm. because, like, her perspective is very different, and you gotta wonder, like, okay, well. In this rush of emotion where you only have 48 hours to be with a person mm-hmm. and and they might die. Like you get where they're coming yeah, from. Yeah, you act you differently. Know? You act differently in desperate times. And mm-hmm. the whole world was a desperate time for a few years. Yeah. And then you come back and you have to get back to normal life. Um, and then Homer with his hooks, he has a really sweet story with the mm. girl next door who accepts him. And is just trying so hard to, like, And she never is him. phased. No, never. But, but he is so insecure and embarrassed by it mm-hmm. that he acts out. And I think that frightens her. And uh, then you get the scene towards the end where you see the process for him getting ready for bed. Yeah. Where he has to remove his hands, basically. Because he needs her help now, you know? and. He finds it, you know, degrading as a man at first, you know, but, and that's what's wonderful about the the huge takeaway from this movie for me is that, you know, we do need people to help us in our times of need. We can't get through difficult times like war alone. It's not going to work. It's not a solitary experience. No. You know. You need that family, those friends to ground you and keep you in a positive headspace and that's kind of what these three become for one another and it's not always easy like there's that speech that Myrna Loy has uh, whenever Teresa Wright comes in and she is determined to basically win over Dana Andrews away from uh, Virginia Mayo who plays his wife wife, um, because they're not happy and so she thinks it's okay but the movie does not play out in it plays out in a, a very respectable way. Yes. Uh, but when she comes in there, she talks about like, oh, mom and dad, they're not happy. This is, I need to do this for him. Uh, Myrna Loy says something about how many times have I hated you and meant it? How many times have we done, had to start all over again or mm-hmm. whatever it is? And you're just like, oh, oh it's, so it's good. all good. But I also like that there's, there's kind of some open ends in this movie because um, it has what looks like a happy ending. But I always think about the fact that there is this thing that slowly builds in the movie and they don't ever really resolve or address it. And that's the fact that Frederick March is becoming an alcoholic. Absolutely. And that's his coping mechanism. It's his coping mechanism. It's not done at the end of the movie. No, No, not at all. (laughs) At the wedding, I won't say whose wedding, but at the Mm -hmm. wedding that ends the movie, um, He's still drinking yes. more than he should be. Yep. He's drinking before the wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's obvious that, that this is not good. He's already drunk. Yep. Um, he gives this really great little speech because he's drunk. 
at this company banquet and Myrna Loy is like marking the number of drinks he's had. Oh yeah, with that's the true. Fork. This one I will say I I will say I feel like his alcoholism is more so played for laughs and kind of like a comedic relief in this film. It is. Because it's comedy. Because uh, Friedrich March is funny in this movie, but I feel like his, his humor and his comedy comes from his character getting drunk. Yeah. You know? Or arguing with Myrna Loy about how it's okay to be drunk. Yeah, no. It's 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 really interesting, but I, I think the movie, even though it plays those moments for laughs, I feel like the movie is still in an interesting way saying like this is not gonna get better like it's yeah, it's, 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 it's an a open temporary end. solution it's an open know? end definitely it, it doesn't want everything in a neat bow because it's not going to like no. he's probably gonna battle alcoholism his entire life yeah and as most veterans did and how okay you know? well total spoilers here Teresa Wright and Dana Andrews do end up getting together after he's divorced yes and uh there's a great scene towards the end where Homer and Wilma, I believe her name is. Wilma! <laughs> uh, his childhood sweetheart. They're getting married in the center. He's his best man, and he's looking across the room at... Ter- That's where that deep focus yes. comes in. At Teresa Wright, and the whole time they're doing the vows, they just can't keep their eyes off each other. Yeah. And uh, it's great, but you also think, like, fuck... You're like, you're getting together, but your lives are going to suck for a while. It's going to be hard. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And... But uh, that's, that is the thing. It's like, that, we have a snapshot of what it's like for veterans coming back from World War II and how it's not easy. It is a daily battle and struggle. And this was made right after the war. So this is like the Literally best right perspective after. we can get on that. Definitely. And I still think it's, it is the best perspective. Uh, one of them, I should say. I, th- I think a lot of the returning home... Um, Vietnam films also do equally good jobs, but this is... Yeah. For World War II, I feel like this movie really captures what it was like coming back from well, the war. this one's interesting, too, because um, this has an anti-war feel about it. Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely. Which you expect out of a Vietnam movie, because the Vietnam... Was a shit show. Yeah, was... And where... not something we won, or something no. that we should be proud of. Whereas World War Two, we were the heroes. We won, you know? Yeah. So they and should have been happy coming World home. World War II, there was this very definable evil. Yes. You know what I'm saying? It was very easy to say, like, well, we have to do this, because obviously this is wrong. We must stop the Nazis, you know, of course. Because the Nazis <clears throat> were bad. Germany tried to take over the world. Germany tried to take over the world, and Jews were being killed by the millions. Exactly. Like, I mean, that is a very yes. definable evil, and yet they still come back, and things suck. Exactly. And that's where I think, yeah, a lot of the confusion comes from. You know, they, they were treated as war heroes. These are, mm-hmm. uh, we all did so much good in the war. It all came out positively. But when they came home and where their lives were left off, there was just this hole, this void that they were trying to fill with things like alcohol. Yeah. Um, and it just didn't work. Nope. And that's what this movie shows you, how it just, it's going to take a while. Good or bad, the outcome... They're still affected. It's so... I re- I can't say this enough. This is just a really great Absolutely. Film. Everyone should watch this movie. It's I in the AFI. Love it. As is It's a Wonderful Life, but this is in the yeah. AFI Top 100. Mm-hmm. It's on the National Film Registry. And it's... definitely William Wyler's most personable film ever. I mean, this was his first movie after serving in World War II and making movies. William Wyler <clears throat> movie. And I really oh, like William Wyler. Me too. So... 
Um, and what's crazy too about this movie is William Wilder, when he was serving across seas in World War II, um, a bomb went off and he lost almost all of his hearing. Yeah. So when he was making this movie, he sat right under the camera, had headphones on connected to an amplifier just so he could hear the dialogue. Uh, and if that's not commitment, I don't know what is. I mean, like, I... <laughs> it's crazy. I, but it's... I, he just, like, knows how to... He knows what to do. And he knows Yeah, how I to can't do it. think of this movie being directed by anybody else. No, it would not work. It's great. Absolutely watch this movie. Very deserving of all, what, seven of its Oscars? I think it won seven. Six the, or seven. The many, many. Many. Very deserving. Um, the only thing I can think of is it should have gotten more acting nominations. That's literally my only quarrel. Because <laughs> how is the entire cast not nominated? But, like, for real. <laughs> Especially, I mean, there was only two actors nominated. And actor and supporting actor. The females in this story are just as important. Yes. Oh, my and gosh. And they deserve that recognition. And considering that... Teresa Wright was nominated for her first three movies. Mm -hmm. And one for the other William Wilder film, Mrs. Miniver. Um, and she is... I mean, it's not that she isn't good in Mrs. Miniver, but she's better. Way better in this here. movie. Here. Um, and her character has... To, like, her character goes through some stuff. You A know? lot, She yeah. wants to cheat on... She wants to be the other woman. It's to be very like, honest with you, her character in this movie is like just an older version, an older, wiser version of her character in Mrs. Miniver. You know? Yeah. It does kind of play similarly. Yeah. I'm where not she's, she's seems sure how more, old she's supposed to be in the movie. In this one? She yeah. feels older than in Mrs. Miniver. Yeah. I'm guessing we're supposed to think early 20s. Yeah. I mean, she looks like she's in her early 20s. I'm not saying she doesn't look like it. I was just... Thinking, like, how long have they been married? Yeah. How, you know, anyway. But, yeah, absolutely watch this movie, you guys. Definitely the best movie of 1946. And also the highest grossing film of 1946. So there you go. Yeah, it's great. Stars Align, we best could picture. literally talk about it forever. <laughs> I don't know if next week's conversation will be kind of the same <laughs> what, what are we talking about next week, Rand? We're talking about the Gentleman's Agreement. Gentleman's Agreement. Have you seen this movie before? Thank you. Thank you. I'm so sorry. I have seen it before. I have too. Did you like it? I liked it fine. <laughs> uh, um, there are other movies nominated 47 I think I like more, so we'll talk about that. I would agree. Yeah, so yeah. we'll be with you guys next week, 1947, Gentleman's Agreement. Yeah.